I wanted help, but I wanted somebody to do everything for me. Like I was like, my, my answer for everything was like, I just lost my job. I just got evicted and I was living in my Honda Accord out in front of a bar. So I felt really low. And my answer for that was I need to get a GED and like, I need to get a job. And, um, you know, out of like, what the fuck am I talking about? What am I going to go get that? Like, I'm just going to go buy one. I've been having like this uh, spiritual awakening of just understanding that, um, you know, nothing's in my will. Like sometimes I'll do good things and bad mm-hmm. things happen and vice versa. And then, you know, I hope that when I do good things, good things happen. And sometimes they do, you know, it's just all yeah. random life yeah. on life's terms is so fucked. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, uh, um, you know, I used to, when I started these, you know, back in 2020, I would literally spend hours, hours editing them. I mean, like going crazy and then found some software that would, that would remove the words, um, and, uh, because like that would, you know, I would be, it would bother me because I'm editing it, you know, yeah. and a one hour podcast could take me three or four hours because as I, I have to listen to it and then every, um, you know, I'd have to like trim it and then splice out, you know, the weird, you know, breath noises because you can hear those. And, and, uh, <clears throat> so, but then I realized like, what am I doing? Like it, it was done the way it was supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. So I literally moved to a position where I don't even edit it much anymore. I, I paid, a small fee they master it you know when it gets uploaded they they do all the audio compression and make it sound way better and that's it (laughs) um i mean i used to even edit out like my name uh people want something edited out a hundred percent you know like i've had people mention their wives company that they you know and he was like "Ooh, could you take that out um but realistically um, the stigma of addiction, you know, is just, I, I think a lot of times something in me, you know, um, and I would always be frustrated, you know, being a director of operations, I'd be worried, you know, but at this point, you know, November 30th, I'll have 12 years. Like, what the fuck? Oh, that's awesome, man. What the fuck could anybody say? Like, why am I so in fear about it? You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, look at society. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's dangerous out there. Like our names get, you know uh thrown upon like we, we we just have shade on our on our character in general and trying to redeem ourselves from that like i know like being in the rooms i feel like it's it's really there's a lot of gratitude and hope and love with other addicts that are also trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. but i find myself hanging out with a group of friends and they're you know we'll go out to eat or something and they'll order a drink and i don't because yeah. I know that I can't. Yeah. And they're like, good job, dude. Like, like I'm like, I don't want that. I don't need <laughs> yeah. this. Like, I'm not like the Holy grail over here doing amazing saint things. Like, yeah. I, I'm just like, dude, you know how I was. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And it's always good to never bring it up because you know, <clears throat> you just, I feel like whenever I'm doing that, maybe it's just my feelings is that I feel like I'm pulling away from their experience yeah, or making some guilt on them. So, right. 
<clears throat> but in my group, I did the thing with what you're saying is I would always, uh, I would always assume that people care more than they do. They don't, people are living their own fucking lives. A hundred percent of the time I've never been asked. Dude. You know? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be a big deal, you know, with going out with the, you know, when I worked for this corporation, we would do like summits, <clears throat> East coast, West coast. And it would be, I mean, the, these men, you know, between the ages of 35 and 55 acted like they were in a fraternity. That's mm-hmm. what it was like for the whole week. Fucking, you know, we'd show up and they'd have literally 10 handles of liquor and, and it would be insane. So the <laughs> whole time shit. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, you know, am I going to get outed? Someone's going to say something and like, be mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, corporate guy, why aren't you doing nobody? Nobody asked a single question. I'm just <laughs> drinking water. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of times, like you're saying, the stigma or the fear or what I think about society, I think, I think as an, as an addict and alcoholic, like I put more weight on that than anybody else probably does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Why don't you, uh, why don't you start with your clean date? All right. Uh, October 2nd, uh, shit. I don't even know. It's been two years and 19 days. Cool. Yeah. So you just had one. Yeah, man. Got a sponsor. Uh, yeah, I got a sponsor pretty quick. It's actually, uh, my second go around, they were real close together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about three years ago in the middle of summer, I hit a bottom. I was living in my car outside of, uh, I don't want to like make a crazy meal. Yeah. <laughs> that was my like second home, man. <laughs> um, you know, over on the North end of Columbus. So mm-hmm. that was like, you know, I, I, I lived there because I was too scared to live in my own apartment and I couldn't take care of nothing. So yeah, I think, uh, I think getting clean the first time it was just like going through the motions rehab. I Mm -hmm. I got to experience that the first time I got to, you know, feel like I was on top of the world because I had a week clean Mm -hmm. and, uh, I knew a whole bunch of shit. Like I would always preach to everybody in there how to change their lives. And it was the silliest thing in the world. It's and, so funny uh, if you listen to my podcast, I say that all the time. Like while I was in there, I was like a junior counselor. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up, man. I was the literally have no time and I'm like fucking being a counselor to everybody. I got yeah. my I got my shit together. Yeah, man. I like acting like uh the teacher pet, but like it was all the all the counselors and the clinical director and like mm-hmm. I would like hang out right on his side. Like uh I remember one of the guys in there, he was a pretty wise dude, he was in rehab with me. And uh he goes, dude, you remind me of, uh, like Joseph or Peter next to Jesus. <laughs> I was like, man, that's messed don't, up. Dude. Don't tell me that. Just <laughs> give me more of a complex. Yeah, man. I just felt silly. So you've, uh, you've, you've only relapsed twice. So yeah, I mean, I've throughout the history of my using, like I started when I was like probably 11 and, uh, you know, I've, I've had the idea in my head that I I don't want to live this sorry life because it got bad pretty quick. Um, a lot of excessive use. So, I mean, I've stopped for like month at a time. Um, I remember I got married back when I was 21 and um, I quit pretty much everything for about a year and a half, two years mm-hmm. uh, based on codependency, period. Mm-hmm. Like my addiction was two-legged dope instead of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So, um yeah, I mean, there's there's different things that made me uh, realize I had a problem and I had to stop, but it was never like a healthy stop. It was always like 
temporary, you know, cause yeah. I, I went right back to the old way of thinking as soon as I got bored or as soon as, um, you know, the, the, the switch goes off in my brain that like, man, I really want to fucking get fucked up right now. Like, why can't I get fucked up? And I go into victim mentality. Mm -hmm. But yeah, since I uh, went to rehab, uh, three years ago, I did like a 30 day program and then I jumped into their PHP Mm -hmm. and I thought I figured it all out. Like all my friends are going to sober living and I was like, man, I don't need that. Like (laughs) I'm going to go stay with, uh, the girlfriend and I went and did that man. And it was like, maybe a month or a month and a half before I had like one drink. And it was crazy. Cause I was like, I can only just, you know, drink one and I'm cool. And I did that. That's and, the story of everybody. Yeah. And it's like, I did it. And then the next time I had two and then the next time I had four and then it like, just, I just went back to the same me all over again, justified the shit out of it the whole time. And you did, uh, I'm assuming like if every drug or alcohol or drink is equal I think if you've identified yourself as being, you know, uh, a member of this program or whatever program it is, but yeah. you do what a lot of people do, uh, or I'm asking, did you do what a lot of people do? Is your drug a choice alcohol? My drug of choice is everything. Right. So my point yeah. is, is that alcohol seems to be, or weed seems to be the, uh, Social it's what everybody acceptance. kind of yeah it's what everybody kind of dives back into because it's so low consequence yeah man <clears throat> it's so, so you, easy so you, so you did that and uh how'd that work out well um the same as anything works out really i mean it's i i need more i'm never i'm not oriented to fulfillment so no matter what i did like i need more and you know my my decision making is super flawed as soon as i start drinking mm. um well not as soon you know as soon as the buzz starts getting real and i'm having fun um, whatever that number is that you have everybody has a number <laughs> i don't know man like there's a number when you go to sleep and everything's fine and you eat some good food yeah and then there's a number when you're like checking where your vehicle is outside the window yeah man i just don't think i had any uh <laughs> There, I was never counting. If I was counting, I was lying because I wanted to say I had more than everybody else. Like, <laughs> it was like my my ego's so big that, um, you know, it was just I thought that my body could handle more than everyone, so I just fucking wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, typically I was I was still on two legs, so and I was never the one to like pass out or get sick or anything like that. I was just like strong arm and everything all yeah. the time and you know people would offer me drugs and stuff while i was drinking so i'm not gonna say no i'm like right. yeah dude sure like that's probably gonna make me able to drive now right. <laughs> like, was there a point when you if you were to think back to the time you decided that you could have one did the being able to do just one and not do anything else fuck with your brain like oh maybe maybe i can do this successfully um, yeah. I mean, dude, I think that now sometimes like I have thoughts in my head and that's like, I, I said something about the topic intrusive thoughts. Like, yeah. dude, <clears throat> all the time in my mind, I'm like, dude, I've been this long without anything. Like who's to say that I can't just have one. I did it before, but what if I did it multiple times and just had one or just had two? And right. it's like, my mind will go there. <clears throat> like it's, that's my disease, man. I got a thinking disease. I don't, I don't have a drug problem i have a drug solution you know right. what i mean like, so you've you've uh you've you've had that i mean we can we can just talk about that now but um 
Um, what a, what does an intrusive thought look like for oh, you? Man. Like, take me through the whole process. You know, like I think they became intrusive when I found awareness. Um, when I was more aware of what's going on inside my head. Um, you know, I get thoughts all the time, like using thoughts. I call it, you know, those are intrusive thoughts. Like, you know, my, my mind is on a, uh, I have old narrow pathways that still want to work, man. Like and what specifically? Like when you say using thoughts, that's a pretty general. Yeah. Like um, specific. You know, like I, I'll, one of my biggest uh, reservations is like psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, I only did them a few times. That like mine too. DMT is something I didn't yeah, do. Yeah. Like frustrated I never that. did that. And like, I, I hear all these, uh, you know, mainstream guys talk about Ego like, death. dude. It, it, so like, what's crazy, man. It's, there's wonderful people that I have in my circle that help me with those thoughts. Like, um, I, I talk about that. Like, I don't want to hold that in cause damn sure at some point that's going to become available. And I'm going to be like at a crossroads. Yeah. Like, like it's going to be like the weed card. Yeah, I mean, you could already get ketamine. Yeah. You could already get ketamine therapy. That's wild, if you, if you have anxiety and can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. And you know, so it's, it's, so it's fucked. I don't know the science and stuff. Like maybe it is good in some standpoints, but just not me, dude. Like maybe in our next lives, like man. I don't need antidepressants, so I'm not going to take them. <laughs> so the, uh, so, you know, intrusive thoughts or using yeah. thoughts. Uh, there's a good, uh, section maybe i'll try to look it up and find out where it's at but in the just for today it talks about using using dreams or using thoughts are like a gift from the power greater than ourselves yeah that's it seems wild to think about it that way but you just mentioned the 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 first thing you said after that was like i have great people in my life i bring it out so like whenever anybody you if you're in a meeting or like in your support group whenever you have a really serious like using thought or using dream the first thing you do is reach out you know what i mean so you get bombarded with like people like me and predecessors and people in your support group so you could look at it as a gift yeah and it goes further to say and this may be something that you could look at as is um it causes you to look at what you're, what are you doing in your program? Like, mm-hmm. is there something that you're lacking? Is there something that you're not doing? Because these shouldn't be thoughts that you have. Well, <clears throat> you know, like that's, that's how I felt. Like I was yeah. like, what? I'm broken. My, my brain doesn't work right. I'm always going to be like this. And like, that's just the nature of my disease, man is mm-hmm. it's the nature of, of what it is. You know, like I'm an addict, so it is absolutely and positively normal for me to think about using. And that's the hard thing to, to get across is like giving myself that grace, Mm -hmm. giving myself the, um, the, the lenience to understand that I'm not always controlling my thoughts. And that's why they're intrusive. Like, like, dude, I'll be driving down route three and, and just like be having a bad day. And I'll be like, what if I wrap my car around that tree? Like, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that, but it sure popped in my head. Like, what is that? And it's just like, it's, it's normal to have crappy thoughts. People don't talk about them enough. And, um, that's what I feel like is scary is when people bottle up those thoughts, they, Mm -hmm. they linger. And, um, that's, that's what happens to me. Like, especially why I relapsed. Like I bottled up a bunch of stuff. I didn't want to tell anybody cause I was embarrassed or, or confused on why I thought the way I thought. So mm-hmm. eventually I act on it and I keep it a secret and then I hide my life and I'm living 
dual lives and um you know it it turns into just creating a new persona for myself and i'm not Mm -hmm. even being authentic and problems just occur like that and that's that's literally just from holding in something Mm -hmm. that's why i share so much now like i find a a group of people i trust um you know i build that trust and and i also become trustworthy to the best of my ability Mm -hmm. and um i can open up to these people and I'm not getting like criticized. They can probably relate. And, uh, in most cases. And so like, whenever I have some fucked up thinking, man, I just say something. I'm like, dude, like this has been crossing my mind a lot. Like I, I really feel like using, I'm not going to act on it, but if I, if I keep this in, like mm-hmm. I can't say what's going to happen. Cause I know my track record. <clears throat> like, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I can flip at a switch, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it takes constant surrender and constant recovery for me to not mm-hmm. like, I have to maintain that. I think it's good to have a good, you know, to also having such awareness is to make sure you're analyzing your group, you know? Yeah. Is it a group that, you know, you're able to dominate or you're charismatic and, you know, they're just, they don't want to lose the potential of you or pissing you off, you know, having somebody, you know, like, um, somebody that's going to call you on your bullshit, you know? And I think in the rooms we do get that, but Mm -hmm. a a good practice is to always, always look like, am I the one that's dominating everything? Maybe I should find somebody that's going to challenge me. Cause Mm -hmm. if everybody's afraid to, to challenge me for fear that, Oh my God, they may stop talking to me. They may stop being my friend. Then that's not a good group. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Cause then they're just going to co-sign everything you say. Yeah. Well, my my woman's in my group, my girlfriend, (laughs) good. She dominates me sometimes. (laughs) It's a different podcast. (laughs) Getting getting deep on this mother. No, no, spiritually. (laughs) Okay. okay, Yeah, sure. Um, so the, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, kind of what it was like growing up a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, I said earlier, like I started, I think it was my first drink is what I did for Maybe it was like, you know, I found cigarettes or something, stole somebody's cigarettes. And then, uh, you know, I, I had a drink with one of my best friends and that was blackout. It was my first drunk ever. It was, you know, some good old Jim beam. And mm. we just smacked a whole bottle between two 11 year old kids. And, uh, what were your parents like growing up? You know, um, when I was really young, man, uh, my mom, she was really young and, um, my biological dad was super abusive. And, uh, I, I even have memories from like being, you know, one, two, three years old that were resurfaced through like uh, therapy and things like mm-hmm. that. Where like, holy shit, I can remember this traumatizing stuff. Um, so there, you know, when I was real young till about, five there was a lot of abuse there was a lot of uh misunderstanding my my mom didn't know how to mom you know like i i i understand more now um through therapy and stuff that she was just as fucked up um as anybody would be in her state and so um you know she met when i was about uh between five and seven somewhere she met my uh adopted father mm-hmm. and um man he whatever it was like he wasn't perfect or anything. And, um, he, he drank a little bit and stuff, but you know, like he was a father, mm-hmm. like he, he didn't know how to do it either. He was younger than my mom. And mm-hmm. like, he, he just, uh, he, it's crazy cause he didn't have a father mm-hmm. and, um, his mom died when he was like young, 
And um, so it's it's weird being raised by somebody so compassionately that had zero experience Mm -hmm. in what that even looked like. So there was a lot of um, a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of mistakes and uh, a lot of potential abuse. Like uh, I was grounded a lot and I was always getting my ass whooped with a belt and like things were happening growing up that I was like. I literally just didn't feel like I was good enough ever. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, life actually aside from like that, like there was a traumatizing side and then there was a stability side where he had a good job. He was providing for the family. We, we went on vacations. Um, you know, we weren't broke by any means Mm -hmm. for a while. And like, I got to see this like blissful side of how a family worked. And that was probably, um, you know, a good seven years were like that, where it was like perfect. Um, aside from me thinking I wasn't good enough cause my grades are shit and I just wasn't, you know, orderly and, um, or enough at least. So, you know, my parents broke up about when I entered high school and it was like, you know, freshman year, the summer of freshman going into my freshman year of high school, all my friends were like, you know, starting to drink, smoke, I was starting to be introduced to a bunch of things. Um, so when they split up, I had a choice to go with my dad or my mom. And uh, I have three younger siblings, and they all went with my dad. And I stayed with my mom because I was like, she's not going to tell me what to do. And right. I'm the oldest. Like, I got my hand on her. <laughs> like, I did whatever the hell I wanted, man. I had complete and utter freedom. And um, that was the start of a long road, man. I mean, I I manhandled everything through life. And uh Nobody could tell me what to do. And I, you know, I dropped out of school sophomore year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tried to go back cause I knew I was doing something wrong. Lasted a month or two left, try to go back. Like it, it's amazing that, you know, truancy charges and stuff weren't pressed on my mom and stuff. But yeah. I just didn't do anything, man. All I did was use, mm-hmm. use and party and use and party. And, um, you know, whether I was alone or with 10 people, it didn't matter. I was always going to be high. So that was probably fun for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when was the uh when was the first let's either call it consequence or you know, maybe the first time that you <laughs> realized like I need to uh maybe I need to do something different. Dude, I was arrested probably ten times before I decided to do anything different. <laughs> and um you know, they were always slaps on the wrist too. I don't know what it was. Like I was a weasel, man. Like it didn't matter. I'd I'd go in the courtroom and sweet talk the judge, like, I'm sorry, learn my lesson and fucking slap on the wrist and you know like non-reporting probation or like uh, a fine or yeah. whatever like it was always just nothing and and uh you know like i'd accumulate warrants because i wouldn't pay money because i didn't have <laughs> mm-hmm. money and uh i'd go serve two days at the pike and or or downtown mm-hmm. and go home you know like it was just like there was no consequences and um you know <laughs> and i i ended up just uh you know living life thinking I could just get out of everything like that. Like I wasn't, I don't think I was like spoiled. I think I felt like I was just super slick. Like mm-hmm. I was just like sly and well, like couldn't. you had all this evidence that it's yeah. going to work out no matter what happens. Yeah, man. And, and it's crazy. Cause like I was raised sort of spiritual. Like mm-hmm. I had a religious belief mm-hmm. and, um, I, I always kind of had a weird contact with God. Like mm-hmm. I would be high as shit sitting in a room, like 
thinking I'm going to die or <laughs> something. Yeah, I know, right? It's so wild, the, the contradictions. But I'd be sitting there like, please just let me live. Like, <laughs> Foxhole like, prayers. Like, oh, man, my heart feels funny. Mm. Those are my favorite. <laughs> Foxhole prayers are the best. Dude, and and I lived my life like that. I only went to God when I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just always kind of lingering like mm-hmm. that. So I made it through that. So you get through all of that. And, uh, you know, you said you tried it twice, um, which means you've found a way to surrender to want to try to stop and do something different relapsed. And you know, your second time you're still here today, but what was the first time? Like what brought you to that first time that you wanted to surrender to go do something different or go into a rehab? Like you said, um, I, I didn't. Okay. So this is a crazy story, man. Another like weird God moment. Um, I was sitting out in front of the bar that I like practically lived at. I was, um, this was only about three, three and a half years ago. And, um, I think when I really wanted help, you know, like I wanted help, but I wanted somebody to do everything for me. Like I was like, my, my answer for everything was like, I just lost my job. I just got evicted and I was living in my Honda Accord out in front of a bar. So I felt really low. And my answer for that was I need to get a GED and like, I need to get a job. And, um, you know, out of like, what the fuck am I talking about? What am I going to go get that? Like, I'm just going to go buy one. Um, so I was sitting there just crying, man. I remember it was like nine in the morning and I just woke up and, um, pretty sure my catalytic converter was just stolen off my car too. Like I was, I was not feeling good. And, um, my uncle who ended up later in the story, like he ended up, uh, letting me move in with him after sober living and stuff. So he was a huge part of, uh, this process. And, um, so he just randomly hit me up. Like I didn't really have like a relationship with this guy other than like, I'd only go like do jobs for him when I knew he was going to pay me money so Mm -hmm. I can go cop. And, um, so he just calls me random as hell. Like I hadn't talked to him in a while and he goes, Hey man, how you doing? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not that good, you know, life, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, everything, maybe you should go seek out some help. And I was like, no, no, no. And I, you know, put up the, the petty argument of like my plan, what I was going to do next. Like I got to get, get my, my GD. I got to go get a job. I just need to, I need to hold down a good job. Like I just quit my job too. Like I was drunk at work and cussed out my boss and <laughs> left. Like all this happened within a week. I was just giving up, man. Like the next thing was either jail or death. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was giving up. And, um, so I ended up going to my uh, pseudo girlfriend's house and um, was sitting there just thinking like, like, what if he's on to something? Like, what if he was right? Like, what do I have? Like, what do I got to lose? Yeah. I'm going to die out here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I literally have kids. I had <laughs> Your been- Honda will still be there. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was right. <laughs> no shit. It was too. <laughs> um, so I called a rehab man and they got me in the next day. Like it, it was like. Boom, boom, boom. Like, why did my uncle call me? I don't know. It was super random, but it saved my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was like the first start of clarity when I got like through the shakes and Mm -hmm. and detox and then started to get some lessons on like, like when I get interested in something, like my brain, 
and I start hearing somebody else talk about how the brain works. Like I was like, I want to hear everything about this. I started reading like Jordan Peterson books. I started like Mm -hmm. reading all these psychology and philosophical books. And I, I've never read like anything. Mm -hmm. I read like one book in high school. (laughs) And, um, so I started getting into reading about all this information. And then like, that's, that's what got dangerous on that. I was addicted to knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I thought that because I read this book that I was smart as fuck. And uh, that I could save everybody else's life. And that's like... (laughs) (laughs) While while in treatment. Yeah. Basically talking with a Jordan Peterson accent. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) Right. I don't get the big picture. I just get the the (laughs) small perception of of me. How long did you stay in your first time in treatment? Oh, I I went through the program. I did the 60 days. The full thing. Yeah, like uh, I did the whole... uh, I don't know. It's like... I think I was in there a longer time, too, because... I was trying to get into his, oh no, that was the second time I did longer, but, uh, yeah, the first time I did 30 days and then 30 days inpatient and then 30 days in the PHP. So it was, you said you, you, everybody was going to sober living, but you didn't. Yeah. There was, there was some people in there that were like, Oh, we're going to Marion. We're going to this place. And like, everybody's trying to take me with them. And I was like, I've got a GED to get guys. Yeah. No girlfriend to get back to dude. Honestly, you know what the big thing was? So I have three daughters. I haven't talked about them at all. Um, I have three beautiful daughters, um, nine, seven and five. They're all going to use because of this podcast. Yeah. You left them out the first 28 minutes. I know dude. They're going to be pissed. (laughs) I literally have a tattoo that I got my first tattoo (laughs) and I had to add on to it. The joke was if I don't put my son's initials in there, he's going to be an addict. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, that's fucked. I know. Yeah. I always, I always make the joke. Like I'm making like a rehab fund. (laughs) Like (laughs) I hope it's three daughters. What are their ages? Uh, yeah. So nine, seven and five, all girls, man. That's crazy. And, um, also baby mama. Yeah. So, um, congratulations two of two of them. I <laughs> okay, made, I adopted got... the third one. Okay, good. Um, shitty story. We're not going to dive into that. <laughs> That's all right. I don't want her to hear this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, they, you know, they were, so it was a couple years ago. So they were a little younger, man. And, um, <clears throat> there was a bunch of problems with that situation with, with me and her breaking up. And, um, there was a lot of legal issues with the mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. uh, even foster care at some points. And, was she um, an addict or an alcoholic? No, okay. no, she's codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would never call her an addict. Like she, she was definitely more, uh, stable than I was. Okay. Um, of course I didn't think that yeah, I was like, I make all the money. You just sit there and shut up. Like I was just this control freak that wanted everything to work in the, my little vision of like how I mm-hmm. saw the world, you know, like I didn't have any open mindedness or anything. So like when I was in rehab, the reason I didn't go to sober living is cause I was like, I have kids. They need me. Yeah, dude. Was that the biggest mistake ever? What did they need from me? Like right. I was a fucking at this junkie. Point. <laughs> at this point in your life. Yeah, man. And I'm assuming you didn't have full custody. So it would be like no. every other weekend or maybe even not even, wasn't even worked out. I wasn't even seeing them really, dude. I was like, I'd see them when she wanted free time. Like I would utilize her needs so that I could see them mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want them very long, you know? Yeah. And, uh, now there's like a legal thing we have, Good. um, uh, we worked out a divorce. We're actually really, 
um, able to talk mm-hmm. and communicate and we co-parent super well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this process has brought me so many gifts along the way that I thought were impossible. Like I was like, she's never going to talk to me again. She's a bitch. And like, yeah. I was so mean. And, um, I was a victim, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the beautiful thing is too, is that, you know, most two of your kids and one of them maybe, you know, uh, stay clean continue doing what you're doing and they'll never need to experience that. Yeah. You know, um, the experience that I'm living, like I, I get to breathe love into their lives mm-hmm. today. Like I can't control what they're going to do or how they're going to grow up or, or what choices they're going to make. But what I can do right now is just love the fuck out of them and hope that they receive that. Mm-hmm. Cause they're just humans, man. Like, I know how it was for me. Like I, I received a lot of love. Yeah. A lot of trauma too, but Mm -hmm. I received a lot of love and still decided to do whatever I wanted to do. (laughs) Like it's, I was a human being that was irresponsible. Now I'm not turning my kids into human beings. They're already humans. They already have like choices and they already think and they're already processing things the way they process things. Like, the best I can do is just, you know, love them, man. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I do today. You know, I just, you know, I teach them lessons. I, I I like to, you know, put them, put them on their toes again every once in a while when I see them doing dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, it's my oldest, man. She's nine. She acts like she's 15 because society has all these social networks and mm-hmm. YouTube. So she learns shit that she should just, there's no way I knew that stuff at her age. Um, no shit it's scary man so you got uh so that's amazing with 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 the kids and you've got a you know just because of this process you know you've got them and i could just say for all the new people or like i would get new sponsees you know throughout the years and uh you know the times i've heard like you don't understand oh man you don't understand what i'm going through like it's a mountain you know and i'm like you know, I had a six month old when I checked into treatment and, you know, felony warrants and was on crime mm-hmm. stoppers. You know, I tried to be like, you don't get it. My, <laughs> my shit's worse than yours, but you always just try to put in play. If you just do the right thing, like focus on recovery first, like everything falls into play, but it's so hard to hear that when you're in your shit. Oh man, <laughs> dude, uh, somebody said it to me. I was in, I was actually at a meeting and uh i was like you know i need to get my kids and it was i ended up relapsing and then that's when i came back i went back through the rehab process and everything Mm -hmm. but he was like dude what do your kids need from you (laughs) and i was like well they need me to be present in their life he was like are you present in your own life (laughs) i was like no i don't think those are the groups i'm talking about of people that you need around you right and now i mean dude i gotta that type i gotta like six meetings a week man like i i still go to a lot just because um I would go through breaks there where I'd only hit one a week mm-hmm. and my life started spiraling out of control. And it was like, you know, I thought that I was fine. I thought that I could, you know, change my schedule a little bit, but the benefits of that I'm receiving from keeping that conscious flow of uh regularity and recovery instead of being, you know, just, uh, I'm selfish, man. Like I, I, I like to take things into my control and, um, think that I'm going to be, you know, just, a, I'm going to have a better grasp on things this time or now, or like I've grown this much. So now I can 
do what I want. Like I, I rush things and I like to jump on to the next fulfillment. Yeah. So, um, next dopamine hit. Yeah. And, and that could be anything like, like, dude, I get dopamine from doing my job. Mm-hmm. Like tattooing. Somebody feels like it's not as good as doing math. But. <laughs> no, <laughs> never did that one. <laughs> so your, what was your second surrender moment that caused you to go back, get back in? Dude. Um, so I had this amazing counselor and, um, she, while I was in rehab the first time, like we built a really good, like relationship understanding and like, um, between her and the director of the rehab, I was, uh, you know, I've really thought about them a lot. I was like kind of, kind of obsessed with like, I I put them on a pedestal in my life. So, Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I used to do a lot with pedestal people. So, I, I had them like, they were almost like the angel and devil on my shoulders. Like they were part of my conscience at that point. Like I would think about how they would think about me and uh, try to portray that in my head. And it made me guilty and shameful. And, uh, you know, I started, you know, the one drink, the two drinks and then three drinks. And that went on for a little bit. And the next thing I know I'm snorting, you know, blow off mm-hmm. a toilet stall. And I'm like, like, okay, <laughs> this is, I'm right back to where I was. And, uh, it was just, uh, I think I knew where it was going really fast. It only took a few months and I was like checking myself back in. And, um, that's very lucky, dude. That's not the normal story. You know, that's probably like a one percenter. Yeah. I'm serious. I just from being around for, you know, all these years, seeing everybody's story. I only know probably three people that that's their story out yeah. of probably 500 that I've talked to and known. Well, dude, I was the rehab scholar, man. So <laughs> at least you were, you know, introduced to it, you know, yeah, pretty young. That's good. <clears throat> yeah. So you, you get it all while you're in there this time again. Um, I think it was clearer. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a little more quiet the second time. Like I knew that I knew the answers to things, but the, uh, the counselors weren't taking my bullshit. Like mm-hmm. right when I got there, I think my first week, like I was real, stoic and like loud and and um the rehab is there was a girl in there man oh my god it's fun <laughs> a lot of people don't probably it's vacation know that. it's it's like uh it's like an episode of big brother dude and you're there for a month and yeah. you don't have to pay <laughs> and you know people and you get to love them and you're laughing and mm-hmm. you're for maybe for the first time in a long time like happy and joking and not right. using yeah, that, that would always drive me nuts in there, like the people that would complain. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm like, dude, you got free food, shut the fuck up. Like go to bed. <laughs> Those people are leaving AMA. Oh man. And then and that's the thing, is like if I had the compassion I have today while I was in there, dude, I'd probably wouldn't say anything to anybody. Yeah. Like I just know that I used to think my word was so meaningful and like I I was like breathing power into people's lives. Dude, I'm not even kidding. You never know though. Yeah, maybe there was a little bit that got passed off. Maybe so. <laughs> and and just like today, you know what? How the twelve step works is is whether or not you know anybody gets the gift. Like if you do H and I, you're sharing on this, you share in a meeting. If somebody gets in, they're great, but you receive the gift either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you stayed. Uh, you stayed the whole time. Would you? How was your transition out of there? Did you go to sober living? Yeah, I, I ended up going to a sober living and. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh it was sort of fucked up i felt like uh <laughs> you know i was i was pretty i felt like i was on a good spiritual journey and um 
it was like leaving high school and going back to kindergarten, like going from rehab to the sober living. Like it was like they start over from the very beginning Mm -hmm. of everything that I was learning. And I'm sitting here like, I already know this stuff. Like Mm -hmm. we, I literally just did this for two months and they're like, shut up, sit down. Uh, the, the director there was like, you use too big of words. Uh, you, you, you know, you need to calm down for the rest of us or something. Like she basically told me I was acting too smart and I didn't like that. So I was like really hurt by this idea. So I was like, you're racist. <laughs> like, you know, like I didn't know what to say. I was just like, I felt like a victim, but I didn't want to be one. And then, um, you know, I sat there, I talked to, I had a sponsor at that point mm-hmm. and I was like telling him everything. Like, what do I do? Like, I don't want to be here, but I don't have anywhere to go. And he was like, you know, let me decide. Like, he was like, well, dude, you're, you know, a couple months clean. Um, I could tell you what I think, but you're going to do whatever you want to do anyways. And then I was like, fuck, I got to stay here. Like, mm-hmm. like he told me without telling me. And I had to figure it out for myself. And I was like, you know yeah, what? Like following like, the path you've always taken. Yeah. Back I can't, to the same place. Yeah. And I was on my way, dude. And um, so I... I started toughing it out and I lasted about another month. And, uh, that's when my uncle, he hit me up on social network and was like, Oh, that's super dope. Um, he, <laughs> he uh, reached out to me and he's like, dude, why don't you come live with me? You can get a job, keep working your program, do those things. You seem like you're doing really good. I want to see you succeed. And they're not even letting you work there. Like you need to be working and like, you have responsibilities outside this recovery. You've been doing it a long time now. Like seven months has gone by, maybe maybe nine months um, <clears throat> from the first time I went to rehab. Like I was just, it was like recovery, relapse, recovery. And it was taking up a huge section of my life mm-hmm. where my kids were young. Like, And um, I think he, my uncle's not an addict. He has, he has almost no clue what, what that meant. Like our relationship, like he's learned a lot, but mm-hmm. it was like... Um, a lot of under like he's is he just one of the you just stop, dude he's just, just stop a guys fucking great yeah like he he had the perfect family growing up you know like he 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 did like i mean i wouldn't say perfect that's a little shallow of me but um he you know he's he's always had a good job good head on shoulders he's stable as fuck he he raised two kids that are highly stable like um one of them's a firefighter and the other one uh, she's just well married. Like the guy's like loaded. He's got a great job. Um, it's like a stockbroker or something. So their family's like, they're like the picture perfect mm-hmm. yeah. to somebody like me. I'm like, you motherfuckers. And then this guy, my uncle, he's like, he's done a lot of studying into like Hindu and Buddhism mm-hmm. and the you know the Eightfold Path and and uh, he's also a strong Christian and like he had the patience to sit there and listen to me. And, mm-hmm. um, he brought me in his household and allowed me to get on my working. And, um, my dumbass had a girlfriend the second time I left rehab though. Like I met a girl weekend there and was like, I love her. We're going to get married. I even proposed to her. It was the silliest thing ever. <laughs> Detox love. Oh my God, dude. We lasted a year. And, um, you know, you know what happens? <laughs> mm-hmm. One of, one of us relapsed and, um, I, I had to make a choice, you know, and that's, yeah. and it was a huge part of growth, but I think, uh, just the whole process in general, like I, I can't call it, man. It's just like staying clean. That's the number one rule. Just don't fucking use man. How and quick did you get a sponsor when you got out? 
Or did you have the same one? Um, I had been talking to a guy from the first time I got out. So I was going to meetings after I had a drink thinking I didn't have to tell nobody, you know? So, um, I was talking to this guy, but I feel like he knew. And, um, I didn't say anything to him. I didn't like out myself. I had like a secret to uphold. And, um, I asked him to be my sponsor and he was like, yeah, just, you know, call me when I never called him. Yeah. And, um, so that's when I went back to rehab <clears throat> while I was in PHP, they took us to a couple outside meetings while we were in there. And, uh, I saw that guy on a Monday night, um, at my old home group. And I was like, look, dude, like I'm serious as fuck this time. Mm-hmm. I will call you every night. And, um, you know, he, we, we, we started that process. I called him every day and, um, and, uh, he became my sponsor and he's my sponsor today. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, he celebrating the two years recently. Like it was really cool having him be like, dude, this guy takes suggestions and he's doing the damn thing. He's got a strong recovery program. Like him saying those things. Like I have a hard time saying nice things about myself. I'm like a perfectionist. Uh, I can always be better. Like yeah. I focus on that so much more than I focus on being present on where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing I'm working on now, but He's been uh, a huge part of that uh, building trust and love in my life. Like my sponsor is that guy. Yeah. No homo, you know? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> every time I usually talk <clears throat> or give somebody a medallion, like, and I start talking about him, I almost get teary. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, you know, I start, emotional. start shutting down. So you work, work with him. Uh, do you, have you been worked through all 12 steps? No, not yet. Oh, I, cool. So I started steps while I was in, um, junior counselor moment <laughs> yeah kidding. no no man i i literally <laughs> thought i was working steps the first time i was in rehab i was like you know they're like you gotta get a sponsor first i'm like no i don't i know how to read like it just wasn't the case so i started working steps with him while i was in the uh sober living before i moved back with That's my cool. uncle and um That's you know a perfect time to you have nothing else to do it's dude like, literally all the time hey, in the when world. you meet up with me <laughs> and he would make me wait like i would blow through the questions and he's like all right sit in that for a few weeks so i'm like a few weeks look dude that's so long you know like everything had to be stimulated and rolling mm-hmm. like i was just like super productive with nothing to do and um you know the longer i've been working steps i, I naturally sit in them now like after I finished, I think it was uh, the main one that really got me was after I did the seventh step. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm straight. Like I need to, I need to learn this, man. Like I, there's so many spiritual principles up to this point. And it's when you get to the solution, to yeah. the action step, you know, yeah, actually doing something. That's why I was like nervous coming on the podcast because like there's some more stories I listened to and I was like. I don't even remember half mine, man. Like it's so foggy. Like I don't, I don't have any to tell really like that are accurate. Like I'd just be lying, you know, I told a couple of funny ones, so far, but. <laughs> but you know, like, uh, it's, it is like that, the solution. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I love hearing the solution mm-hmm. and, um, there's a lot of shares that I've heard out there, man, where you hear a very small part of their horror story. And, um, the rest of the share is what the solution is. And that's like the ones that, that hook me where I'm like, Oh my God, like, that's what I want. Yeah. I want the good stuff. Like I, we all had the bad shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have that in common. Like 
you know what we don't all have in common a fucking solution <laughs> like we are trying to find the solution that's funny you say that because i used to be i would always be so judgmental about that but then i realized like i'm actually breaking the fit tradition by doing that um because in that tradition it talks about you know we share what comes up um this program cannot be bought or sold like right. a product like that what sells it is our experience so i would yeah. go to meetings sometimes and and be surprised you know because when i go to meetings that's my opportunity to practice more of the 12th step right so if i go to a meeting and it's it's a surprise speaker meeting i'm like i want to get the fuck out of here yeah like you know i want to participate in my recovery you know so but i i always stay um <laughs> yeah that, but, that conscience weighs yeah, on yeah. us <laughs> the but the the thing is is as i would always get so frustrated about what you were exactly talking about you know like why does everything maybe that's what the person needed to hear i would get frustrated mm-hmm. if there was a, a a lead or a share and it's 55 minutes of the insanity and then they look at the clock and they go yeah, and I got clean. I worked the steps, and uh, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, didn't know. It's like, <laughs> tell me how the fuck to stay here. Yeah, you man. Know what I mean, so, but at the same time, there's a multitude of meetings. There's a multitude of experience. So, mm-hmm. I, I I won't judge that shit anymore. You know. Yeah, and that's natural. They, they said whatever they needed to say, whatever the God's will decided, because we prayed before the meeting to bring that in, and they do it. So I don't, I don't, I try not try my best. I don't, can't say I don't, Yeah, but I probably still would. I probably still would judge it. Cause I'm like, I, every once in a while, some experience to these motherfuckers. There's probably people in here with two weeks dying to hear like, what? right. How did you start? How did you just say two years and some change? Yeah. You know, it's so, the, that self-centered personality. Like I do that too, man. Yeah. That's a good place to kind of hit on, you know, you, you, you brought up wanting to talk about a power greater than ourselves. Yeah, man, that is, that is the, uh, the biggest part because like I'm either alone with myself when I'm not around other people or I'm alone with my higher power. And, um, I'm a lot safer when, when I have my higher power around and really like, uh, there was a, the, a long time, you know, there's a story my dad told me, I was crying one day. There was just so much going on in my life and, uh, I was just losing my mind, man. And, um, I, I told my dad, I was like, I'm guilty. I, I only go to God whenever I'm, I'm, I need him. Like I only utilize him when I'm in a place of stress. I'm Mm -hmm. never grateful saying thank you. Like never. And my dad put it into like a, like a, parable of sorts that was like well you you know if one of your daughters moved away for 10 years and didn't talk to you for 10 years and then she needed help and reached out to you what would you do and i was like no question yeah i would absolutely help her he was like now multiply that by eons of what you can't even comprehend and that's the love that god has for you Mm -hmm. so understand that you're just a human and you're an idiot and it's okay like this is this is what happens this was well before i decided to get help like um that was that was probably a good eight years ago Mm -hmm. when he told me that and it stuck with me hard and uh so when i think about now um that's really relevant in my life actually i told that story and another addict claims that I saved her life uh, just by telling her that story. She was, she was, 
she was sure she was going to go off herself that night. She tells me that story. I cry almost every time mm-hmm. where I'm like, all right, get the fuck away from me. Like, <laughs> like I love you. My ego thanks you. Um, but, uh, you know, like now today, these steps, man, they're so active in my life. Um, especially the seventh one I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going on to my ninth now, which is difficult, but, um, my higher power plays a role in my life to where I'm not trying to, I don't want to self will through life because my self will causes chaos. And even when I don't realize it, like, like I, I was looking for the right, um, tattoo shop, man. And I was like, Oh, I get to do what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I ended up like in an illegal tattoo shop. Like I was willing to do whatever it took to get this ball rolling. It did work out for me. And thank God I got out of there pretty quick and uh, where I needed to be. But that was when I allowed God into my life where I was like, okay, I don't know the answer. Literally just guide my direction. Like I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And, uh, I just had this like triggering thought of, I need to go to this place. And, uh, I went to that place and I got hired. <laughs> like it was really weird as soon mm-hmm. as I gave it over. And it's not it always like that. Yeah. It's not always like, you know, like I I'm living in God's will and shit happens right away. Like a lot of the time it takes so much patience. Um, I do have a bunch of stories that I could tell that are like, you know, God moments, boom, 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 mm-hmm. super instant gratification. But, um, that's not what it is. You know, it's not about what God can do for me or, or give me like, it's more or less like today. It's not about my problems. Um, there is a lot of gratitude to be held. Mm-hmm. Like, in my daily activities, like I'll be driving and I'm like, you know, just, and this is like pretty routine for me now in the mornings going to work where I'm just like, allow me to, to just be today, like Mm -hmm. be in today. Like I, I, I just remove my defects, allow me to operate as best a human being as I possibly can today. Like, that's all I ask. I don't, I don't want like, (laughs) you know, like, I'm going through a financial crisis right now, man. And, uh, it's slow season for the tattoos. Like whether it's people saving for Christmas or football or whatever, like for whatever reason, I didn't even know this existed because it's like my first year as a professional. So like, it's just like, it's slow. I'm, I'm broke. And, and like my instant thought is like, I'm fucked. Everything's (laughs) fucked. Like I'm never going to be able to recover from this. And, uh, so I go into like that, that thinking and, the fear and uh, the worry and uh, you know, with fear and worry, I lack that love. Mm-hmm. And that's what me, like I don't have a specific, I'm not religious. Um, I'm very spiritual. So my higher power is love. Mm-hmm. It is love. It's a God of some sort, but it's just pure love. Right. And um, so when I think about acting in love, uh, there's no place for fear and worry. So I'm sitting here like, realizing and this is just past two days man realizing that um i put so much emphasis of my emotion into my finances like literally i get paid and and i'm happy and that's like that's just a natural thing that constantly happens like i get it like yeah you should feel good when you are financially okay but let's be real i've never saved shit in my life like I'm, I'm just learning how to do this stuff mm-hmm. so like why am i getting super stoked over a paycheck that i get every week anyways like my my body like goes through a chemical change where i'm like 
oh, I'm relieved. I got a paycheck. I have money in my pocket. Like, oh, I'm fucking no worries, man. And then, like, as soon as I don't have money, I can't even be present, like, talking to my woman. And, like, when I have my kids, like, I'm, I'm constantly worried and thinking. So this realization happened when I was talking to my woman the other day, man, two days ago. And uh, I was like, I literally, I'm not happy unless I have a substance. And it's just a new substance. It's it's dollar bills. Dead presidents. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, dude, I felt like that. I, it's unmanageable. And that's why I can't manage money. And I literally asked my woman to manage my money. And she's like, I mean, I will. But mm-hmm. and like, I don't even really allow it. Like, it's not like I'm giving her all my money. Like, I'm, I'm like begging for help, like in the corner. Like, I can't stop using. Right. <laughs> But so, the good thing is you're at the seven step, you know, or you're beyond the seven step. But since that's so fresh in your mind, right. like, it 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 says that somewhere in the either it works out and why is it's not just a a step that we pray and ask for guidance and put it out there like without taking action. It's a pointless step, right? You know, like if you were to try to get a job, you know, and just say that all I've done is turn my will over and prayed, you know. <laughs> You still have to fucking put out a resume life. and right. go do some action. So it sounds like you, you know, you're applying those principles in your life because you're trying to take whatever steps it necessary to to change. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to give myself that uh, that applause. You know, like like that I'm doing such a good job, and I think that's a part of this process. Is um, you know, I have other people telling me I'm doing a good job. Like the people I love are like, dude you're doing great where you're at. Like I hear them. I can't tell myself that I had to have somebody else write my bio for work because my bio made me look like a piece of shit. <laughs> like I didn't even see it. I was just like, I'm just being honest about myself. I don't want to lie. And they're like, dude, just give it to me. Like, we're going to write it about you. And I read it and I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are so nice. Like <laughs> I sound amazing on this bio. <laughs> I feel like that's the difference between, well, I don't know. I'm sure people struggle with that, whether they're out Alex, alcoholics or addicts, but, uh, you mentioned it early and it made it, it so many people I've dealt with, especially when I'm taking newcomers to the four step, you know, um, yeah. when we get to the assets, you know, I take them through the, the defects and it's like uh like they're fucking holding down a fully automatic machine gun. Yeah. You know, tell me about the time you were angry towards your kids or your mother or mm-hmm. your spouse and dishonest. I mean, it, there's never a pause the minute we stop. Man. Right. You know, Hey, tell me about a time that you, uh, you were dishonest with your wife. Boom. Tell me about a time that you were angry with your kids. Boom. Yeah. And then I say, tell me about a time that you acted out in love. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's you know I mean? weird, so man. <laughs> the, the benefits in the, the beauty and what you were talking about, not only the people in your life, but the, also what you said in terms of prayer or your drive in. Mm-hmm. And the reason the 10 step exists is, you know, it's steps one through nine, but on a daily basis, but it focuses heavily on, you know, what challenges did I have? What did I do wrong? And then what did I do well? Because, I think everybody, I hate being general, but you know, for me, I'll share for me, um, you shared for yourself and it's the same experience and for sure everybody else that comes on would say the same thing. A lot of times I only want to focus on when I'm fucking up. Right. I only want to pray when I'm in a foxhole situation, mm-hmm. not a thank you so much for allowing me to be useful today. And right. it was an amazing day. I was a great father. I was a great spouse or husband. I was active, you know, I did the laundry without telling her that I fucking did it, you know, because she does it every day and never mentions it to me. Right. And I was a good companion. 
Um, I only want to be like praying when shit's bad. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of, of getting through the steps and applying them in your life. Yeah, man. Then you talk about your last thing we can cover is you, which is, you know, keep it simple. What does that mean to you? Why did you want to talk about that? Dude, because I'm complicated. <laughs> I'm so complicated and I overthink things and I like to make everything make sense in my little head. Um, you know, I'm an, I'm, I'm an obsessive person and, um, that could be with anything. It can be thoughts, money, relationships. Um, you know, I just, anything I can get obsessed Mm -hmm. and, um, just information. So when I think about keeping it simple, you know, it's given myself the grace that I give other people. And, um, that's something that's learned. Like that's part of what we were just talking about. Even like giving myself the benefit, talking about the assets and things like that. So keeping it simple to me is like when I listen to somebody else talk about all their problems at a meeting, typically like a newcomer or something like that (laughs) in my mind, I'm like, the solutions in the steps yeah. like like that's all i say and and that's because everybody figures it out for themselves you know like mm-hmm. we can't hand somebody recovery mm-hmm. and um so i i i need to give myself that grace um because i i typically understand an answer for other people when they tell me their problems and i can't give them the answer but like i understand in my head mm-hmm. that this is what I would do. But the problem is, is that in my perception, I'll have the same sort of problem and I'll overthink it and make the solution impossible. I'll, I'll create a, a bunch of excuses or obstacles in my life that I can't get past a certain thing. So keeping it simple to me just looks like not picking up. Like as long as I don't pick up, I still have a chance. And, um, you know, I say that that's like a mantra to me. Like, uh, I don't necessarily think about using, but I think that I'm clean. Like, oh my God, I'm clean. So as long as I stay clean, there's still a chance here. Like so much has changed in my life that Mm -hmm. I never thought was even possible. Like it all just looked impossible from two years ago. Me, you know, like I, I'd look into the future with my magic eyes and be like, yeah, this is how it's going to be. And none of that shit came true. Mm -hmm. Like I I was thinking like my divorce, I'm going to lose my kids. Uh, The world's going to end. We're going to have world war three. All these things. Like I I made up this scenario and I still find myself doing that with my next day. Like I'll think Mm -hmm. about tomorrow and I will create a video feed, a film in my head where I'm like playing out tomorrow. Then shit never happens. Never. I'm not, I'm not that (laughs) like, I'm not God, man. Right. So keeping it simple is just giving it away, man. I mean, talk to other addicts Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, get, get the bullshit out of the way. Like Mm -hmm. these, these addicts, my people, they're like a filter. Um, you know, like I, I, I talk the bullshit and I get it out with the people I trust and they, they make it worth something. Like it's like sifting through the bullshit and um, we find a solution together. And, uh, you know, I'm not by any means able to do this shit alone. Like I figured that out just by missing like a week of meetings where I'm like, ah, what the fuck? And I'm like in a downward spiral. But, um, you know, I think it's just giving myself the best grace that I can possibly give myself mm-hmm. where I'm at. That's, a, that's great. Um, so you said you kind of struggled or maybe wouldn't even figure did you think of a, a war story that you wanted to end with or something oh, funny it's not a shit i don't need to be a war story it could always be something funny like you know like do you have any duis 
Yeah, I got I got one DUI, man. Um, that wasn't a war story. It was fun. It was like going to fucking Starbucks. Dude, it was like I was going 10 over the speed limit, and I was, you know, zooted up. That's not a fun story. I was just like, the officer, the officer took my friend to jail, but I went home. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This is Again, another up. one of your fucking yeah. smacked Dude, on the rest. Did you go to man. jail that night? No, I didn't go to jail that That's night. That's so fucked up. Yeah, Columbus police were like, yeah, you're all right. <laughs> I was super funny, and the uh, they had to drive me to Blendon Township. Mm-hmm. I got I got arrested in Clintonville, and their computer stuff was down. So, <laughs> took me to Blendon Township, and I'm in there talking to the officer, and she was like, she looks at the other officer, and she goes, "Didn't she say you got a DUI guy?" And he was like, "Yeah, he's right here." And she looked at me, she's like, "You're drunk," <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, I was hammered. Yeah. I was I was just normal because that's all I did all mm-hmm. the time. I was in there making jokes and she stuff. You were charismatic. Yeah, I think." Uh, <laughs> you know there's so many horror stories man i just don't think that my perception of them is accurate um I, there's a there's a little there's a news uh article that's in marysville i went and lived out in marysville with my ex-wife uh for a better part of a year before i moved out um I, I wasn't drinking for a few months, like just codependently. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything. And then uh, I started drinking again and we got in a big argument and I went to one of the pubs down there and uh, the drinks were really expensive. I was like, is there a place where I can get some, you know, cheaper beers? And they sent me across the street and they're dollar PBRs, man. I I was a PBR junkie, dude. And um, so I was just smacking them down and uh, I guess I was getting a little mouthy in there. And uh, they said I was, like, hitting on the girls and stuff. I was just completely annihilated. And uh, one of the bartender grabbed me by the scruff of my shirt, or it might have been the owner, and uh, dragged me outside and threw me down on the ground. And I got up, and I punched him in the face. And so I'm fighting him and a couple bartenders. I'm, like, fighting three guys. And the next thing I know, I woke up in the back of a cop car. Mm-hmm. I fought three cops, too. Do you remember that? No, I'd blacked out in the fight. Um, I actually, I'm missing half my front tooth still. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I got I got smacked onto the sidewalk pretty good. Mm. I guess they said I put up a really good fight. <laughs> like they were really funny about it afterwards, mm. but um, I was not happy. I went out to try county jail, and uh, dude, I don't know how the fuck I got slapped on the wrist with that one, man. Because I was <laughs> I on a police fighting officer. police officers, and they they gave me um when I I got out of tri-county jail and uh i i think i bailed myself out like i i had a paycheck that i I had my wife get Mm. at the time and uh i went to court for that and uh the judge was like dude what the fuck and i just turned on the tears and told him how sorry i was when you probably genuinely were i was but you know turned them on but you probably like what the fuck it would have probably put me on a faster yeah it'll probably put me on a faster path if you actually (laughs) gave me some time you know um i'm grateful forever grateful for how things worked out Mm -hmm. i wouldn't change the past for anything no um but yeah man i got i would i would change the only thing i would change is getting the time back yeah i mean that's you know but i don't regret it i just Everything I did led me here. If anything changed, I probably may not have my kids. So I, I don't think about any of that. I just, it would be nice to have the time back. That was yeah. wasted. I would never want to be a normie, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what happened? You bailed yourself out? Yeah. So uh, I ended up going to court, put on the tears, and the judge was like, um, you know, they, they go through the charges and all that. And he asked me if there was anything I wanted to say. And I just pretty much told him that 
you know, the mistake was made when I picked up a drink at home and then I left the house after an argument and I don't really remember the rest. And I was just on the loose and, uh, you know, I clearly have a problem. And he was like, well, go get that problem dealt with. You get 48 hours community service, uh, like a $500 fine and a year of non-reporting probation. And I was like, yes, sir. Like, <laughs> let me out of here. And I left crying in happiness. Like, oh, yeah, I got away with it again. Like, like I got away with something else. And I'm just like, I'm so lucky. I, I don't think, think I, I think it's great God. that they do that, you know, sometimes. Because, yeah, I just like, think. you know, the solution isn't fucking getting locked up. Yeah. And I think the time, too, it was like. That's COVID, wasn't it? It was no, a little bit before. Pre- yeah. But it was like jails were really full. I remember they were really full. That was why they didn't take me in for my DUI. They were only taking violent, mm. uh, violent crimes. Um, there was always, you know, something Thank God they didn't a bunch of violent motherfuckers in there. And you're oh, strolling dude. like I was a fighter, man. I didn't DUI. give a shit. I, yeah, dude. dude, I was, I would fight anybody and everybody. That was one of my biggest things is like, I had this ego construct, drunk. dude, I fought, I fought over a hundred fights, like in my active addiction. Like it was just, somebody would say something and I was like, I'd hit them. No assault and charges. None, dude. And they were always like, unscathed. People were like, why did you fight that guy? And I was like, well, I hit him because I thought he was going to hit me first. Like, that was always my answer. Like, I'll just end it before it starts. <laughs> like, no, dude, you're a dick. Stop hitting people. <laughs> Nobody pressed any charges. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on. Love, loved hearing your story and talking to you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. This is really cool.